Welcome to Near Death Experience Podcast. I am Chaz Hathaway, and we're going to share some uh, recent near-death experiences uh, from endurf.org, the Near Death Experience Research Foundation. First, we will read one from Brian H. that happened earlier this year. He says, I had a very profound and hyper-real visitation by my guardian angel. I've since named her Angie. Mind you, I don't know her real name, but I got the impression they don't have names as we know them. She accepted my referring to her with the name Angie during the encounter instead of a generic term like Angel. It started Saturday evening, two or three weeks ago, in mid-February 2018. I was working to help my sister through some rough spiritual issues that were going on a few, several, a few months prior to this experience. That Saturday evening, before she left, she told me she felt that she was really going to be okay after talking with me all that day. I went upstairs to watch a movie, but got a strong suggestion to go to bed early. Following the hunch, I turned off the movie. Then I took some Tylenol for a headache that I felt was coming on. I heard a distinct, soothing female voice tell me, You're not going to need that tonight. So I put the medicine away and went to bed. When I lay on my pillow, the most beautiful female voice I'd ever heard came to me again. She said, I have a small gift for you tonight. At this point, I brushed her off saying, Yeah, right. What kind of gift can you give to me? I must be extremely tired because now I'm hearing things and talking to myself. She then responded that she would let me sleep for a few hours, then she would come back for me. I agreed and told her that was fine. I just wanted to sleep and didn't believe I was actually talking to anyone. It was 8 p.m. at the time, and I fell asleep fast. The strange thing was being aware of her before sleep. As I went to sleep, she was still there in my mind's eye, standing nearby. She was in front of a large gateway filled with gray light with a mist rolling around its edges. She was smiling and watching me. I thought that it was unusual to have a figment of my imagination do that. But oh well, I was tired and slipped into gentle darkness. The next thing I saw and felt was my figment of imagination coming back. She reached over and gently grabbed me under, the, under my arms while she lifted me out of bed. When this seeing sensation happened, I had a wonderful feeling that went through my body and down my spine. <clears throat> I knew something about this dream was different. I felt that what later I can only guess was unconditional love and other positive feelings or sensations that words cannot convey and that I had not ever felt before. I told her I must be having a lucid dream. She smiled and said, It's not a dream, hon. And then I exclaimed, Sure it is. These are really realistic. I, uh, or, or These are real, really realistic. I read about them, but I don't get these too often. She then said to me again, You're not dreaming. And when I put you back, you'll know that it's not a dream. Then another level of heightened awareness came to me <clears throat> in another wave as she held me. I told her, 
I must be dead somewhere. My body is choking to death or I stop breathing. She reassured me that my body was fine. To ease my anxiety, she let me see it peacefully lying in bed. The time I noted from my clock by my body was 12 a.m. Excuse me. I then doubted what she had asked, or I, I then doubted what she was and asked, Are you really an angel or something else? Can you prove to me who, what you are? She smiled and told me that this was common from an, the earthly sp- perspective. There, doubt exists. So she took my hand and went to a higher scene. As we moved, something even more extraordinary happened. Suddenly, I had no doubts. I didn't have any other negative emotions or thoughts because it was not possible to think such things. All of the rules, laws, and conventions of mankind had vanished. At this point, the word bliss does not convey or come close to explaining what I experienced. She smiled and said that all I was feeling was a small taste of the love he has for me and all of us. This encounter lasted for over four hours. She told me many deep, private, and meaningful things about myself, about humanity, and how we are all the same and made of his light. She said she was made of the same light as we are, that we are all fractals of him. She told me this was my reward for searching for him and for his truth. She was happy for me that I had gotten so far in my own determined search. She was glad that I had had the presence of mind to ask him for assistance and help me in discerning the truth with the piles of ancient papers, books, and modern references I had read and collected for years looking for my own answers. When I looked at her, I thought to myself, if ancient man had seen something like this, is this how religion got started, would they consider her a god? She immediately read my thoughts and gave me the message I was not to worship her. She was an emissary of our Creator, sent to help me on my own unique spiritual path. I was allowed to be thankful he had given me such power, powerful help in my quest. I was assured that Angie really did exist. She told me all of this was what was, let's see, she told me all of this was happening because I deliberately went on my own path to find him. She showed me how years ago I had discarded my old music, musical tastes. I then learned to listen and appreciate music that was inspired from a higher level of consciousness. This was music that didn't hurt the spirit and mind with negative messages or discord. I also stopped watching movies and shown materials that pandered to the lowest common denominator. And, oh, I, I stopped watching movie and show material that pandered to the lowest common denominator. I avoided the temptations of drugs and alcohol. I had engaged in self-sacrifice to care for others. I did not get involved in relationships that did not have true love at its core. I would repeatedly deny my base human nature for high ideals and standards that I I achieved for myself and expected of others. That because I had deliberately reached out to him, he came 
halfway to meet me. This was despite the difficulties and distractions of earth at this time. My mission was to encounter and hear the divine. She told me that I did the right thing when helping my sister. When I was confused or had doubts, I prayed directly to him for guidance to find the words to help when I needed his help. I had asked for him to be in my life, to have my guardian angel involved in my life, and to be able to hear them easier, to do the right thing and make better choices that help others. She affirmed that he heard every thought I ever had. She told me that there was no shame in having a human experience (sighs) or being a human being. There was no shame in having a human experience or being a human being. Please bear in mind that while she told me these things, she gave me very clear images of examples from my life to help clarify the meaning. She showed me how she was with me from the beginning and how she helped me in childhood when I was frightened or had nightmares or made difficult moral choices in life. She had shown me all the things, or sorry, she had shown me all the beings, heroes, and archetypes that she was in my dreams over the years to help me allay my fears and guide me in a positive direction. At some point I told her that I did not want to go back. This was more than anything I could imagine or hope to be real. She told me I had to go back. She said that she had only had a certain amount of time to show me these things, that I was doing important work and was an important part of his plan. I was shown how sad people would be if I left that night. Even the smallest kind gesture to others ripples through to soften hearts. I am where I'm supposed to be with the people I'm supposed to be with. Words and thoughts have power, and that keeping in a positive frame of mind and speaking positively, or sorry, speaking politely, was important despite being faced with the negativity and ignorance of others. She told me that I was perfect as as he saw me. She said that I was too hard on myself many times when in reality we learn lessons on earth and making mistakes was part of the learning process. That this human form was a specific form to interact in this world to do jobs and roles he chose us for. All things are for a purpose. From our small perspective, we can't see the end result, but that it was worth it and and something beautiful in the end. Time had no meaning. I could have been there a thousand years or ten minutes. The love was so overwhelming that I'd forgotten about material things or the illusion that time was. I was shown various material objects that I had wanted throughout my life, but that I did not care about any of them while here with her. Someone could have offered a planet for me to rule, but I did not want it. That love was enough. I could have existed on the love alone. She showed me all the times in my, in my life when someone had hurt me. There were thousands of instances of pain, uh, some forgotten, long forgotten, but now were shown to me with vivid detail. She asked me if I was able to forgive. 
I was able to forgive them all from the perspective I was seeing it from. She smiled when I forgave everyone, saying that this was the biggest thing one could do to go against their base nature instead of perpetuating pain upon others. Because we were all part of him, we only hurt ourselves when we hurt others. They too are an aspect of he, just as I am. There really was so much more. Most of the encounter took place on a beautiful alien planet. The landscape had with a fi- uh, the landscape had with a 500 foot tall tree in open plains. There was a river and a beautiful storm in the background with violent lightning. There were many strange, beautiful plants and insects, the likes I've never seen anywhere. She said we could explore this world someday. It had a thick atmosphere but low gravity. Angie was 15 feet tall, beautiful and stunning to my eyes. Her eye color was gold and they emitted light like the sunrise. There was not a negative tone in her speech or any feelings she expressed or any negativity to anything I felt. Her speech was far more eloquent than I could ever attempt to imitate. She also emanated a soft, light glowing hue from behind her. I was given the impression she could appear as anything to convince me of her status, to convey messages from our Creator. She was going to put me back in my body at 4 a.m., but I begged for an extension. I saw her look back over her shoulder toward the green sky. Someone seemed to be talking to her, but I didn't hear anything. She then turned back toward me and said I could have 30 minutes, but no more than that. In that time, she showed me that love was actually like a physical force, like gravity, electrons and photons of light, and that they pass through all times, places, and dimensions as they are actually a part of him in everything. When she put me back, I felt like I was putting on a heavy, tight diving suit. Two loud knocks on the bedroom door slammed me awake to... Uh, remember everything vividly. I remember like a weight, uh, let's see, I remember, let's see, I felt like I weighed a single pound. This feeling of unnatural peace being lightweight, a feeling of love persisted for 12 hours that Sunday. I also had the sensation that I was physically held at some point, as in my dream, when I sat up in bed She then instructed me to get up and start my Sunday by washing everyone's clothes to help my grandparents. The humor was not lost on me as I pulled clothes from the dryer. One moment I was in another dimension on an alien planet with a being of unimaginable intelligence and grace being told the most profound secrets of the universe. The next minute I was folding boring clothes to put in a boring basket for boring work tomorrow in a mundane world. I got the impression she would visit other times in my future, and that I had made a promise to follow her as my personal teacher to help me get closer to our Creator. That's the end of the of uh, the experience shared by Brian. Very interesting, huh? Very interesting. Here's another one by Evelyn. 
also uh, very recent. She says, I was six, year old, six years old and living in California. I became ill with a virus or something. I was in my bedroom and in my bed. I had been sick for several days and had a headache with terrible aching. All the symptoms associated with a high fever. I felt exhausted. I remember my mother being there to get my fever down with wet clothes and trying to get me to take sips of water. I was sweating a lot and began shaking all over. She called the doctor. This was back in the day when doctors made house calls. He happened to be just finishing up with another patient relatively near us. I remember hearing the relief in my mother's voice as she told me the doctor was on his way. The doctor arrived, examined me, and tore off my clothes. He ordered my mother to get uh, tubes of I- trays of ice cubes. I rose up out of my body and up to the ceiling. I saw him carry me into the hallway, and I followed while still on the ceiling. My doctor carried me to the bathroom and began to fill the bathtub with cold water. He set my body into the water even as I was, as it was filling up. I was seizing. I wonder if they're trying to say seizuring. Anyway, I was seizing. My mother came in and, and they pulled the, uh, and they put the ice all around me. I don't remember what happened directly after that, but eventually I was carried back to my bed. My body was no longer seizing. I was just limp. The doctor was doing something to me, and my mother was sitting at the foot of my bed looking really worried. I think at that point I don't remember because I began rising above the ceiling and then went into another realm. There was a lot of light. A young woman had a long hair, let's see, a a young woman with long hair dressed in a beautiful flowing whitish blue gown was there close to me. She emanated complete loving kindness, and I thought she must be an angel. She communicated with me with our thoughts, not by speaking. There was light behind her, and I was so drawn to the light that I began floating toward it. She stopped me, put her arms around me, which filled me with light and love, and she said, It's not your time yet. You're going to have to go back. I knew she meant go back to earth, to my bedroom and my body. I really, really, really did not want to go back. With her, I had no pain. I was filled with love, joy, and light. I told her, no, I want to go with you. She smiled and gently said, I'm sorry, you must go back. You still have things to do. I didn't know what she was talking about. I remember thinking, what things? as I resisted going back. I repeated, I want to be with you. She still had her her arms around me and quietly said, you will see my face among the grieved. Then I had a vision. I could feel that I was much older and I was in a place where people were milling about in shock. There was rubble and chaos everywhere. I had no idea what it meant and I particularly and I didn't particularly like it. Then I was drawn back down into the room and back into my body. Coming back into my body was 
horrible. I felt pain, while my body felt very small and restrictive. I felt really sick. I did not want to be there, but didn't have a choice. I was unable to get out of my body. I was drenched with sweat, and the doctor was still working on me. I remember him turning his head to my mother and telling her that I was going to be okay, and she began crying. I remember thinking, this is not okay. I feel horrible, and I want to go back to the woman of light. That is the end of that experience, the experience by Evelyn. Interesting, very similar experiences in one sense. They both went to see a woman or girl, um, young woman in this in instance, um, and both had a loving, guiding nature about them. Now, if this person had gone further into their experience, perhaps they might have discovered um, that this was someone they knew, uh, a long-lost sister, or, you know, I mean, sometimes their child, sometimes a grandparent, and other times it's somebody they knew before they came to Earth. But since they didn't give any hint of who it might be, they didn't obviously didn't know who it might be, then we'll leave it at that. Here's one more. This is Charlie J. On November 10th, 2013, I had a major life-threatening heart attack. Two days later, I was flown from a local hospital to a larger hospital. Within minutes after arrival, I recall flatlining. I also remember a lot of noise and commotion. I don't recall if my next memory was seconds or hours later. What I believe is my near-death experience, oh, what I believe as my near-death experience is as follows. I was in a room. Everything included the furniture where a flat, let's see, anything, everything including the furniture were a flat white color. To the right, there was a closed door. There was three of us in the room. I vaguely recall being rolled into the room from the left side. I was seated in, let's see, in an old wooden wheelchair with a high back. I had several white pillows around me. I was positioned on the left side of the room, but not directly facing the right side of the room, but rather I was looking to the right-hand side of the room where the third person was seated. Behind this large desk was a man who was intimidating and very powerful. On his right hand was a very large ring. The ring had inscriptions, which I do not remember, but for some reason the ring stood out as something very important. This man and the desk were in the center of the room. I do not recall anything on the desk. The third individual was seated in a chair on the right side of the room. This person looked similar to my father. When, I spoke, when he spoke, it sounded like my father's voice. I do not recall what he said, but I do know that he and the man behind the desk were conversing. I never spoke. I recall looking back and forth at both of them. Once they completed their discussion, the man behind the desk looked at me and said, You will be okay. I have no idea how much time passed. The, thing, the next thing I remember was coming to. 
I was surrounded by many machines that were keeping me alive. I began looking around for the man that had been behind the desk. I recall looking at the right hands of all the male doctors to see if any of them were that man. I have never told anyone about this, not even my wife, best friends, family, or preacher. I knew the experience was something important. I always felt that this might have been a near-death experience. This past Sunday during the sermon, the scriptures were verses from the book of Esther. During the story, King Xerxes uses, uses his signet ring to seal a decree. At that point, I realized the, scene, the ring was a signet ring. That is the, experience, the End of the Experience by Charlie J. Also an interesting one. Uh, none of these people went on to, a, uh, to the grand light that is described. None of them described passing through a tunnel, if I remember right, anyway. Um, but they all encountered beings on the other side. Uh, all human and all... A, a general atmosphere of light and white. And uh, the last one I find interesting because it sounds so just, you know, simple. You know, there's this desk and there's they're in this room, three people. And, uh, and other than being told you can be okay, there wasn't really much conversing. Other than the two that were conversing, but this, but that Charlie couldn't understand or, or follow their conversation. Anyway, interesting uh, experiences. I think they're a little more um, characteristic of, of the kinds of near-death experiences that are more common. They, they don't involve this long, in-depth experience of multiple locations and, you know, flying around the universe and so forth. Um, but there are very interesting, filled with love filled with feelings of comfort and uh so yeah very interesting so with that we'll go ahead and finish up and thank you again so much for listening <laughs>